Bible with me today and open to Psalm 37. <clears throat> Psalm 37. We're going to look at two verses from Psalm 37 in just a few minutes. Um, thank you, Vicki, for quoting the scriptures here a few minutes ago. Uh, you're, you're much better than I am. When I get thrown off track, I have trouble getting back on track. You did incredible. Thank you so very much for the wonderful job at quoting the scripture. Wasn't the music beautiful this morning? Thank the Lord for our praise team and all the musicians that uh, bring us the music every week. We just don't get enough of it. They tell me I preach too long, so if I want more music, I've got to preach a shorter message. So maybe that's what I'll do so we can get some more music. But uh, thank you to the praise team and, of course, to all of you that have been working this morning, the various places, uh, helping people as they've come to church today. I, I want to focus for a few minutes on Psalm 37, verse 4 and 5. It says, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now think about that verse. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to path. I want to speak to you today about dreaming great dreams. I don't know where you are at this moment. Maybe 2022, 2021, 2020 killed your dreams. And you thought that any vision that you had, any <clears throat> ambition that you had, any goals that you had, any aims that you had just sort of died in the process. And I want to come to you today and I want to tell you that it's time for you to dream again. It's time for you to start looking to what God wants to do again. It's time for you to go back and say, Lord, give birth again in my heart to the dreams that you have for me to accomplish in this life. And so today, we're going to be talking about dreaming <clears throat> great dreams. When I was a teenager, I had been a, a Christian just a short amount of time, and I was a young believer just learning how to follow Jesus. And we had a preacher that came through our church there in Atlanta, and he preached a message about having a life verse. Now, I'm ashamed to tell you that I can't remember all the points about the life verse and why you needed to have a life verse. I just remember the impression that every person needed to have a life verse. And I recommend it to you as well. I think every one of us should be asking God to give us a verse or verses of Scripture that are a life verse that characterizes our life. It is something that, that we live by. It is something that it stays on our mind on a constant basis. It becomes a framework for our lives. I, I'll never forget him telling us. <clears throat> One of the ways you can start this process was by taking the month of your birth and the day of your birth and then go looking into the books of the Bible at that date, that, uh, at that particular uh, marker in the scripture and see what it has to say. So m mine was November 10th, so it was 11:10. So I went through the books of the Bible that had 11 chapters and went to the 10th verse. And I didn't find anything until I got to Matthew 11:10, and it became for a little while my life verse because it had to do with John and Jesus was sending him before, or God was sending him before Jesus as the forerunner for the Christ that was coming. That sort of became my life first for a little while. But as the weeks passed and the months passed and I continued thinking about a life verse, <clears throat> I was reading through the Psalms one day and God spoke to my heart in a way that I knew that Psalm 37.4 was supposed to be my life verse. 
Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, to be quite honest with you, what I saw in that verse was what the last phrase of that verse says, that he'll give you the desires of your heart. You know, when you're young, you've got a lot of dreams, right? You've got a lot of ambition. You've got a lot of drive. You've got a lot of aims. You've got a lot of goals, things that you want to accomplish, things that you want to see done. As you get older, it gets a little harder to dream, or those dreams become nightmares. You know what I'm talking about? But as you get older, it gets a little harder to dream. But when you're young, you've got all of these dreams and all this ambition and what you want for your family to accomplish and what you want to do in your life and the places you want to go and the things you want to see. And you've got all of these dreams. And I kept reading that verse and it says, and the Lord will give you the desires, the dreams, the ambitions of your heart. And I thought, man, this is cool. This is what I really need. I need God to do this for me. I was still reading the verse in a very selfish way, to be quite honest with you. I really hadn't uh, gotten to the place where I was good at understanding the Scripture in its context and reading it in the bigger picture of what it was saying. I just heard him say that the Lord wants to give you the desires of your heart. Now, some of you are young enough, and you're still dreaming about a baseball career. You're dreaming about a golf career. You're dreaming about a basketball career. You're dreaming about some great accomplishment you're going to have in life. And you're dreaming about those things, and you read a verse that says, God will give you the desires of your heart. And you think to yourself, wow, that's what I want. I want God to give me <clears throat> the desires of my heart. I can remember one of those desires. I wasn't married then, obviously. I was just a little over 16 years of age. I wanted God to give me Mary to be my wife. Okay, you don't think that was a good dream? <laughs> it was a nightmare for her. <clears throat> it was an impossible dream for me. You got that? It was a nightmare for her, but an impossible dream for me. Lord, give me the desires of my heart. Lord, that's what I was thinking. Lord, give me the desires of my heart. And the longer I thought about that verse, and the longer I studied that verse, I, I began to wonder, okay, well, how God's gonna, how's God going to do that? Well, he, he tells you at the first part of the verse, you delight yourself also in the Lord. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So I, I got to thinking, you know, my young mind is thinking, okay, if I'm going to have God give me the desires of my heart, <clears throat> which is what I long for him to do, then I've got to delight myself in the Lord. And I'm still thinking in a selfish fashion. I'm still thinking, okay, I, I, I want to, the desires of my heart. So here's, how, here's the mechanism by which that's going to, to be accomplished. This is the mechanism by which this is going to come about. I'm going to start delighting myself in the Lord. That's going to be like the key of faith. It's going to unlock the door for me. And all of these desires that God, I want, God's going to pour out to me if I can just delight myself in the Lord. And so I, I began trying to figure out, okay, how do you delight yourself in the Lord? How do you delight yourself in the Lord? But then it hit me one day when I was studying this verse and reading this verse, and I had memorized it, obviously, and I was thinking about it over and over again and turning it over to my mind and it finally came through to me. I'm a little slow. You would have got this a lot quicker than me. I'm, I'm a little slow, so be patient with me. Uh, I'm a southerner, and it takes me a little longer. You know, we move a little slower than some of you that live up here toward the north. I told the Lord, no further than the Mason-Dixon line. I can't go any further than the Mason-Dixon line. <clears throat> but <clears throat> I'm a little slow in some of these things, and, and finally it dawned on me. If I'm delighting myself in the Lord then the desires that I will have will match 
what the Lord wants for me to have. In other words, these two things work together. Delighting myself in the Lord means desiring what the Lord wants me to have. And so I began to reevaluate. <clears throat> I began to reevaluate my dreams, and I learned that some of those dreams were just selfish. That they were just they were secular. And there was nothing wrong with them in and of themselves, but they were basically about myself. And I began to distinguish between the dreams that were just secular, you know, sac not sacred dreams, not the kind of, of dreams that come from, uh, from a delighting of yourself in the Lord where you just want God. God, I want you. And when you want God more than you want anything else, then you want what God wants for you more than you want anything else. As a matter of fact... Um, when he says here to delight yourself also in the Lord, the, the word delight is an interesting little Hebrew word. It, it means to, to live in luxury. Uh, it's the idea of living delicately or living luxuriously. It, it's, it speaks of the life of ease or the life of pleasure. We would say about the word that it means uh, to live in the lap of luxury. You know what I'm talking about when I say living in the lap of luxury? I mean, you got everything at your disposal. Everything's right there. You're at ease, and you're at peace, and you're in total comfort, and you are surrounded by everything you want. Do you begin to see what he's trying to tell us in Psalm 37, 4? When the Lord becomes the lap of luxury for us, when he is everything that we want, when we're seeking him with all of our hearts, when everything about him is what makes us happy and what we're desiring more than anything else, then God will give you the desires of your heart. And so I had to stop and I had to start thinking, Lord, you know, how am I living my life? Am I, am I satisfied with you? Am I seeking you? What's more important than you? What's more important than the gathering of believers on the Lord's day? What's more important than spending time in your word? What's more important than obedience to you? What's more important than my life totally and completely and absolutely and wholly surrendered to you where you are the greatest pleasure of my life and you are the most luxurious thing of my life? Now, I wish I could say that I didn't ever have any more selfish dreams I still have sometimes selfish dreams, and you probably do as well. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with having some of those dreams. But the dreams I'm talking about today are not the ones that come out of ourselves, just our selfishness. I want, I want, I want, I want. These are dreams that God gives birth to in our hearts. And God says, I want to give you the desires of your heart, but first... You have got to delight yourself in me where I am the luxury of your life, where I am the one who brings the greatest pleasure to your life, where there is nothing more important in life than me. Who I am, my perfections, my love, my grace, my mercy, my goodness, my power. All of these perfections of God, the friendship of God, the presence of God, the salvation of God, all of these things are the luxury in which I live and the luxury for which I live. And when you begin living your life delighting yourself in the Lord in that fashion, then he says to you, I'll give you the desires of your heart. But do you understand what I'm telling you? 
you understand that when you start desiring, when you start delighting in the Lord in the fashion that I'm talking about, you start desiring the things the Lord wants you to have. By the way, some of the things that you dream about are things God wants you to have. They're things that God wants to bring to reality in your life. I'm thankful he gave me my dream in my wife. That would have been a good place for an amen. Because <clears throat> I wouldn't still be here if it weren't for her. You kept us because of her, not because of me. I'm thankful God let me have that reality, that dream become a reality. But I'm not talking about just our selfish dreams. I want a bigger house, and I want nicer cars, and I want a better financial portfolio, and I want to be able to retire early, and I want to, I want to, I want to. I'm not talking about just the selfish things. Maybe God will give you some of those things. I'm talking about those things that God gives birth in your heart. And my dear friends... 2020 killed a lot of our dreams. I mean, it just brought us to the end of ourselves. And 2021 and 2022 have been a difficult time of restarting and getting moving again. So many of us lost focus. We lost the direction. We lost an understanding of what we were supposed to be doing and where we're supposed to be going. And in 2023, God is coming to all of us and God is saying, I want you to dream again. I want you to have great dreams. Hey, if you're young, that's not as hard. The middle years of life, not, not as hard. If you get into my age bracket and get a little older in my age bracket and you think to yourself, you know, I, I don't really, really don't need to dream anymore. Yes, you do. You need to let God give birth to dreams in your heart, no matter your age. You understand when you stop dreaming, you stagnate. And when you stagnate, you start dying. I've told people before along the course of my ministry, when you stop dreaming, you start dying. You have nothing to live for. You have no reason to get up in the morning. Have you heard about those men and maybe some of those women who retire, thinking that retirement is going to be this wonderful life, that's going to be their lap of luxury? It's going to be this incredible life of doing nothing, and they retire, and with a matter of weeks or months, they're dead? They have no reason to get up. They don't understand what life means anymore. They don't have any concept of, you know, it's not just about not having anything to do. Life is about having something to do. That's why I don't want to retire. I don't want to have nothing to do. That'll never be the case because Mary will always have something for me to do. <laughs> but I don't want to have nothing to do. I want God to keep giving birth in my heart to dreams till the day I die. I want to die dreaming great dreams. God, how can you use my life? Lord, what do you want to do in me? Lord, what do you want to do through me? How can my life matter for eternity? Lord, how can it be that it's more than just the bottom line profit loss matter in my life, but it becomes a matter of eternal things? Lord, how can you use me? Can I just tell you, God wants to birth those kinds of dreams. As we delight ourselves in the Lord, we live in the luxury of who he is and what he has done for us, and we begin to see him and enjoy him and love him and want him more than we want anything else. Can I just tell you, 
that out of that kind of delight in the Lord, he says, and I will give you the desires of your heart. But please understand, those desires will never be out of step with what he wants for your life. You know, when you're living your life to please the Father, then you want in your life the things that will please your Father, right? When you're living your life and the pleasure of your life is to please God, that's really all I want is for God to be pleased. I just want that to be the luxury of my life, that God is pleased and I am pleased with God. If I have nothing else, I have him. And by the way, if you have him, you have everything. I just want to live for God. I just want my life to be pleasing to God. When that becomes the when that becomes the delight of your life, that becomes the delight, the way you're living your life, then the desires of your heart begin to change. Some of those selfish things, you begin to lose the interest in those things. They may happen, they may not happen, but they're not that important whether they happen or not. What's important is that God used my life for his eternal purposes. And folks, it's time to dream again. 2020 brought us to the death of our dreams. We lived in isolation. We lived cut off from one another. And we realized how uh, short life can be, how quickly life can be taken away from us and the meaning of life can be taken away from us. And since 2020, 21 and 22, we've been trying to regain it, but we've forgotten how to regain it. And the way you regain it is by coming back to delighting in the Lord with all, delight in the Lord also with all your heart. How much of your heart? All your heart. Delight yourself also in the Lord. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. You notice what he goes on to say in verse 5? He says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. That's pretty good, isn't it? That's pretty awesome. You're young in this room. You've got lots of dreams and lots of ambition and lots of goals. And by the way, you ought to have dreams for your family. You have dreams for your children. I don't mean dreams that you're going to work out and that they're going to be, he's going to be a mechanic, he's going to be a doctor, he's going to be a lawyer. I'm not talking about dreams like that. You may have some of those. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about dreams for the spiritual lives of your children where you long for your children to be so impacted by the presence and the power of God that they make a difference in this world, that they don't just live for the things that most people in this world live for. How many people are going to the grave thinking that they're really living life and they've never known what it means to live life? They've never known what it means to have a life that matters and to have a life that's impacting eternity. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of of your heart, God wants to plant some new desires in your heart. He wants to awaken some new dreams in your life. He wants you to get back on track towards some of those dreams he's already given to you. He wants you to begin to love him again with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. He wants you to start luxuriating in him that he is the highest priority of your life so that he can give to you the desires 
that are birthed in your heart by him. Now, when you start thinking like this, and I'm hoping you're going to come to this altar in a few minutes, and you're going to say, God, give birth to dreams in my heart. Dreams for my own life, dreams for my marriage, dreams for my children, dreams for my work in, in the Lord's service, in the church, dreams in this community. God, give me dreams of what you want to do in me and what you want to do through me. These are things that God places on your heart, and he says, I want to do in you, and I want to do through you. I'm not talking about dreams like some of the Old Testament saints had, like Jacob or Joseph or, or Solomon or Daniel. I'm not talking about the dreams like Joseph of the New Testament, Joseph, the stepfather of Jesus, the husband of Mary, four times directed by these dreams that came to him in the middle of the night. And in, while he's sleeping, God reveals something about the direction of where he's, supposed to be, where he's supposed to go and what he's supposed to do. I'm talking about the kind of dreams that God places on your heart. Most of the time, God directs us through his word. And God directs us through the people around us. And God directs us through our church as we're listening to the Spirit of God speaking to us. And God's Spirit begins to put a dream in our heart. God wants you to dream again. But hear me. When God gives you a dream, you need to understand that there's at least six stages to the accomplishing of any dream. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about these, but I hope you'll write them down <clears throat> because at some point you're going to go through them and I hope you'll remember them when you do. Stage one is called the dream stage. That's the time when God gives you that ideal and that goal and that ambition. When God begins to give birth in your heart, when he says, I want to do something in your life and through your life, you, you realize a lot of people will show up at churches today. They're just checking off a box. They're just going through the motions. They're just getting done what they got to get done so they can get to what they really want to do. And God comes to us and God says, your life matters a whole lot more than that. And I've got eternal things that I want to accomplish in you and I want to accomplish through you. And I want to give you a dream that is greater than anything that you've even thought about. I want to give you a dream that I want to accomplish on your behalf and through you. A dream that will matter for eternity that'll be rewarded when you stand before me. Not a, not a dream that's just selfish and self-centered. I want to give you a dream that will really matter for God. And there's a dream stage you don't have a dream today, I'm, I'm hoping that you'll ask God, God, give me new dreams. I'm not talking about the kind that come from eating bad food at night. I'm not talking about the kind that, that come from eating spicy food at night. I'm talking about the kind of dreams that God places on your heart and God says, I want to use you. I want to do something in you and I want to do something through you that really matters. Are you dreaming? I don't mean you've gone to sleep and you're, you're, you're dreaming in the service. Are, are you dreaming right now? If I were to come to you and I were to ask you, what are your dreams? How do you, how, how do you see God using you? What do you think God wants to do with your life? How, how, do you, how is God going to use you to make an eternal difference? How, how is God going to use you to change this world in which we live or the lives of people that live in this world? How God, how's God going to use you? There's the dream stage. Secondly, there's the decision stage. You know, once God gives you a dream, you've got to make a decision, and you've got to get moving in a direction. The difference between dreamers and doers is the decision. Did you hear that? The difference between dreamers and doers is the decision. There are so many people today who 
don't have any idea. Not, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. They are the double-minded man of James chapter 1. They are the two-souled person of James chapter 1. They're divided. And they're like the, the waves of the, of the ocean that are in and out and in and out and off and on. They just have no consistency about their lives. And the difference between realizing a dream and having a dream is a decision a decision that you're going to step out by faith and you're going to invest your time and you're going to invest your money and you're going to invest your energy and you're going to invest your reputation in seeing that dream realized. There's got to be a decision stage. It still baffles me. Now, understand, now I'm, I'm 65 years of age, so I'm a different generation. You got it? Y'all got that? I'm a different generation. I still can't figure out these young men dating these young women and can't make up their mind whether they want to ask her to marry him or not and whether they want to be married or not. I mean, they know they love each other. They know they'd like to have a life together, but I can't get across the line to ask her, get out on that one knee and you hold that ring out and say, would you marry me? I just can't make that decision. <laughs> I, I have trouble understanding that. Of course, I got married when I was 18, so she was 20. I mean, I, I <clears throat> yeah, I just want to make sure you know those details. I was almost 19, by the way. I didn't really need to give those details, did I? <laughs> I can't figure it out. Why can't you make a decision? Either ask her or get on down the road, you know? They can't make a decision and get out of college. And I don't know, I'm going to live with my parents for the next 20 years. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to live with my mom and dad. She does my cleaning and she does my cooking. I mean, she lets me sit with a clicker in my hand and watch TV and I can do anything I want to do and come and go when I want to come and go. I'm thinking to myself, what kind of a life is that? It may sound good, but it's meaningless. It's purposeless. The difference between, uh, the difference that a person who, who accomplishes their dreams is they make a decision. Stage two is decision stage. Stage three is the delay stage. And by the way, stage three and four sometimes get reversed. You may have the fourth before the third or the third before the fourth, but there's the delay stage. Uh, delays are when you run into obstacles. We, we have, uh, Mary had a deer hit our car. And uh, that's true. She didn't hit the deer. The deer ran into the side of the car, broke the mirror off the car, you know, dented the door, you know, whatever else it did inside the door. That's been back before Thanksgiving, and we're still waiting for them to get the mirror in so they can fix the door. And, you know, they say the supply chain is just, you know, got to understand the supply chain. We got that. We understand that. We saw that. We've experienced that. We know something about that. The supply chains, they can't get enough things shipped to where they need to be, enough things made shipped to where they need to be to be able to get. But do you understand when you're trying to accomplish a dream, sometimes you come to a place of delay. But I want you to understand about a delay. A, a delay is not a denial. It's a, there's a difference between a no, and if God tells you no to something, don't force the issue, but there's a difference between a no and a not yet. And when you find yourself in that delay stage, you know, Lord, 
you gave the birth of this dream. I, I made a decision to start moving in that direction and getting ready for the accomplishment of that dream. And Lord, it's just not happening when I thought it was going to happen or as quickly as I want it to happen. And there's a delay that happens. I want to remind you that God is teaching you in those moments to trust him, to trust him. Um, delays are inevitable we, we live in a society where we're used to getting everything instantly. If we want to know something, we get on our phone, we put it in Google, we get an answer back. If we want to eat, we go through the drive-through, three or four or five minutes, we got our food in our hand, we're eating. If we have to sit down in a restaurant, we get frustrated, at least I do sometimes, you get frustrated if it takes longer than a few minutes for the waiter or waitress, the, 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 the server to come to your table and take your order. Why can't they take care of me? Where is everybody? Why aren't they here? And what do they always say? We don't have enough employees and you're put into a delay stage. Do you realize in the accomplishments of your dreams, there's going to be times when there are delay stages. And God isn't saying no, he's just saying not yet. And God isn't denying you something, he's delaying you so that you'll learn to trust him in those moments. Number step four is the difficulty stage. Again, sometimes difficulty leads to delay. Sometimes delay gives birth to difficulties, but the difficulty stage. And can I tell you the two most common problems when it comes to the difficulty stage are your critics and your circumstances. Your critics and your circumstances. This is what I've experienced after, you know, all the years that I've been a follower of Jesus, almost going on 50 years. The two most common problems when it comes to this difficulty are your critics and your circumstances. They don't see what you see. They don't understand what God placed on your heart. They weren't given the same vision that you were given about what God wants to do with your life. And somehow they become critical or, if you will, the circumstances themselves seem so incredibly difficult. I remember 1985. We had been here three years, a little over three years. And God placed on our hearts that we needed to build a gymnasium. We needed a place for kids to play. We needed a place for some additional classrooms and some offices. And we wanted a gymnasium so we could have an indoor place. All we had was a hill that fell off into a valley. Have you all ever seen that hill back there? You, you have, if it's snow on that hill, come over here, and when there's snow on, on that hill, and get you, a, get you a toboggan, get you a sled, and go sledding down that hill. Now, I'm not pulling you back up. I mean, it is a long walk from the bottom of that hill back up to slide back down it a second time. But everybody said, not everybody, but several people said, well, we can never do that. Look at that hillside. You can't build a gymnasium on a hillside. Don't you understand? We're in West Virginia. There is no flat ground in West Virginia. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, I got it. Every building we got is hanging on the side of a, uh, uh, hanging on the side of a mountain somewhere. But there's got to be a way to put a building back here. We've got to have this gymnasium. gymnasium. This is what God would have us to do. And somebody figured it out. I'm not smart enough to figure it out. Somebody figured it out. And then somebody said, well, you'll never have enough money. You don't understand how much money it's going to cost. Do you understand the cost of that gymnasium is a fraction of the cost of the other buildings that we have built and the properties that we have bought through the years? Do you understand that? 
You see what I'm saying to you? You've got critics and you've got circumstances and it seems like something is impossible. There's difficulties standing in your way. Okay, okay, that's just life. Do you get that? That's just life. If you're looking for smooth sailing everywhere you go, all along the way, no troubles, no trials, no, no struggles of any kind, no setbacks, no sorrows, if none of those tears ever have to be cried. You're not living in the real world. The real world is a world where there are difficulties and there are obstacles. And you have to learn to deal with those things and you have to pray through them and you have to seek God for them. And it's not God telling you no, it's just God telling you not yet. And those difficulties sometimes lead to delays. And sometimes your delays are, are, are things that lead to the revelation of difficulties. And it's always fun. When it happens that way, because, well, we told you from the beginning we couldn't do this. Stage, stage number five is what I call the dead end stage. Almost every dream I've ever seen come real, become reality, reached a dead end stage. The dead end stage is when it seems impossible. It's as if your dream will never be realized. But I want to tell you something. When you reach that place, when you dream, you know God put it on your heart. You know you have been delighting in the Lord with all of your heart. He, no matter what he does, no matter what he gives you, he is the pleasure of your heart. He is the satisfaction of your life. And God gave birth to the desires that you have, the dreams that you have, and you've been delayed for some reason. You've run into difficulties for some reason, and now you come to what feels like a dead end. You know, I, I love going down to the end of West Pea Ridge here. There used to be a sign that was set in the corner of the cemetery down there. You know, they changed the pattern of the road down here. Are you all with me? Change the pattern of the road down here. And after they change the pattern of the road where you have to turn and go down that little road down to get onto Route 60. But before that, you had to go all the way to the end of West Pea Ridge. You had to look back like this to try to keep from getting hit by the traffic coming up 60. But once they changed that pattern, there was a sign down there they put right in the corner of the cemetery and it said dead end. <clears throat> yeah, I guess. <laughs> That's not exactly the dead end I'm looking for. You come to a place of dead ends in your life. Can I just tell you, you're on the edge of a miracle. When God has given birth to something in your heart, a desire, a dream in your heart, and it seems like it has died, you're on the birth of a miracle. I, I've, I've been around here long enough to see some of you dreamed of marrying a certain person, and you came to that death of your dream stage and he or she went another direction and you thought your life had come to an end <laughs> and then God did a miracle and God brought that person back into your life and the day you're happily married with a family going forward and doing things for God there's the, there's the dead end stage but number six stage six is the deliverance stage this is where crucifixion becomes resurrection this is where death becomes life. This is where you see the miraculous take place. 
Can I just tell you, I look back over the course of my ministry and I can see the miraculous over and over and over again. Do you know that when we were starting the, the process of building this building, this building we're sitting in, we didn't own all this property over here. We owned that lower lot. It wasn't a lot then. It was covered with trees and it fell off into a valley. We didn't own this piece of property. There were houses that set up here. Everything seemed absolutely impossible. And little by little, we just kept praying. We kept waiting. And I'll never forget, we got the design. We got the idea. We ultimately got the design. And the first person who came to me handed me, not, not even a member of our church, doesn't even attend this congregation, handed me a $100,000 check. I had to make sure my name wasn't on it. I'm sure he meant to put my name on that check. A $100,000 check. And it was like God saying, it's coming. It's coming. It's co you realize you're sitting in a miracle? Every Sunday we gather in a miracle. Every time we walk on these properties on the side of a mountain, on a ridge in, in West Virginia, where we're living in a miracle every single day. Can I just tell you that you come to the deliverance stage and you see God do what you knew he wanted to do, what you believed he was going to do, and now you can see him doing it. Don't give up on your dreams. I want to give you five thoughts to finish. Number one, number one, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. Can I just tell you something? <clears throat> this, this is how this works. Acts chapter 16 Paul and Silas come to the city of, of Philippi. Uh, they set a young girl free from de demon possession. Uh, the townspeople are not happy because they made money off of this woman's divination, this young woman's divination. They have uh, Paul and Silas arrested. They have them thrown into prison. They're beaten first. Then they're thrown into the innermost part of the prison, and their feet are locked down in stocks. You talk about a dead end. You talk about delay. You talk about difficulty. It couldn't have been any worse. It couldn't have looked any worse. They've been beaten. Their sores were all over their body. They're in the darkest, the dampest uh, part of the prison. And you come to Acts chapter 16, about verse 25, verse 26. And you know what Paul and Silas are doing at midnight? Do you know what they're doing? They're doing Psalm 37. Verse 4, what are they doing? They're delighting themselves also in the Lord. They're delighting themselves also in the Lord. They're delighting themselves also in the Lord. It says they're singing and making melody in their hearts to the Lord. They're giving praise to God. The people around them, the others that are in that prison are looking at them and listening to them. They're probably not looking at them directly, but, but they're listening to them and they're wondering to themselves, how in the world do you have joy in your circumstances? <laughs> because Paul and Silas had learned what it means to delight also in the Lord. And you know what God does? What looked like a dead end for them, God shook, the, God shook the prison, opened the doors of the prison, set the prisoners free, but none of them left. The, the guard comes in and, and sees Paul and Silas, and he says, I want to know something, washes the wounds on their bodies, and he brings them out, and he, what's the question he asks? He says, what must I do to be saved? What looked like a dead, dark, a dead end ends up being a moment of resurrection life. Do you get it? 
And what were they doing? They were delighting themselves in the Lord. At this moment, 2020 may have killed your dreams. Maybe a loved one died. The love of your life left us for heaven. Maybe it was a divorce. You never wanted it. You never desired it. You did everything to, to keep from having it. Maybe it was the loss of your favorite job, the job you wanted more than any other job, the job you loved more than any other job. Maybe it was a financial reversal. Maybe your house burned down. Everything that you'd lived to earn and make and you'd invested in that house and your house burned down and everything you had was gone in a matter of moments. And it seemed like your dream died. What do you do when you're in the prison and you're facing the delay and the difficulty and the dead end? What do you do? You delight yourself in the Lord. Number two, don't give up on your dream. Whatever you do, don't give up on your dream. If God has put it in your heart, then you let God work it out in his time and in his way, and you just don't give up on your dream. You just don't give up on your dream. Now, if God says to you, no, stop, that's not my dream for you, that was a selfish dream you had, then you give it up. But until God shows you that that's not what he wants for you to have, you don't give up on your dream. Our dreams died in 2020. It just became survival. I just, I just got to live. I just got to stay alive. I, I got to make sure I don't get the virus. I got to make sure that I, I can live for another week or another month. I don't want to be one of those down there in the morgue that they don't have enough room. Don't give up on your dreams. Number three, do what you can towards your dream. Do what you can while you're waiting towards your dream. I don't have time to take you back to First Chronicles uh, 17. David had a dream. You know what it was? <clears throat> it was to build the house of God. It was to build the, it was to build the, uh, the temple. David dreamed it. He went to Nathan. He said, I want to build the temple. Nathan said, yeah, let's go for it. God wants you to do that. All right, you ought to do that. David had a dream. He made a decision. And then God came back to Nathan and said, Nathan, you go back and tell him I don't want him to build that house. And he met with delay and with difficulty and with dead end. All of it wrapped up in the middle of that. And then out of that, what does God do? God comes to David through Nathan. And he says, look, I want to make you a house. I, I, not, not, not a physical structure. I want to make you a house. I, know that I want to build a family from you from which the Messiah is ultimately going to come. And it's not going to be you that builds the house. Here, here's the dream fulfilled. Here's, it's not going to be you that builds the house, the temple. It's going to be your son. And who's, what, which, what was his name? His name was Solomon. And he built this incredible temple on the top of the mount. They say that it looked like snow was sitting on top of the mountain because the gold and the beauty of all of it, when the sun would strike it and reflect off it, it looked like the mountain was covered in sun or covered in snow. Do what you can towards your dream. So what did David do when God said you can't, do, you, you can't, build, the, you can't build the temple? What did David do? David started collecting materials for the dream to be realized. Now, Solomon still got some of them as well, but David began collecting the necessary materials for the dream to be realized. Number four, desire the Lord's will above all else. Desire the Lord's will above all else. Lord, all I want is your will. I hope that God will let me stay here until I can't walk up those steps to preach a message. 
But you know what I want more than anything is I want God's will. Do you want God's will? When you delight yourself also in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart, when you delight yourself also in the Lord, you want God's will more than you want anything. You don't want your will. You want God's will. And number five, and finally, please don't miss this last one. Determine to trust God, period. Determine to trust God, period. I'm going to trust God no matter what stage I'm in, no matter where we are in the process, no matter what's going on in my life, no matter if I'm going to be the one that sees the dream realized or God's going to work out the dream through somebody else. I'm not going to stop trusting God. I'm going to trust God every single day of my life that God is at work in me and God is at work through me and God has a reason for me and God has a purpose for my life and God wants my life to matter i believe god that's what characterized all those people in hebrews chapter 11 by faith this and by faith that and by faith this and by faith that and some didn't see the reality of what they desired but they kept living by faith you determine to trust god period charles spurgeon said it this way Men who delight in God desire or ask for nothing but what will please God. Hence, it is safe to give them carte blanche. Their will is subdued to God's will, and now they may have what they will. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now listen to me, and I'm finished. I'm counseling you today. I'm your counselor today. You like that? I'm your counselor today. I'm not... I'm not acting like your prophet. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a counselor. Um, I heard the story of, of a pastor who he was preaching at a school in Florida, <clears throat> school where he had gone to study the scripture to, to be a preacher. And in the message he said, uh, I, didn't, I, wanted to go to, I wanted to go to a school uh, where I could study for the ministry, but I didn't get to go to the school I wanted. I wanted to pastor a church but I didn't get to pastor the church I wanted. And I wanted to marry a wife, but I didn't get to marry the wife I wanted. And his wife was sitting there when the comments were made. He's at the school that he had graduated from, and some of his members were sitting in the congregation when he was talking about the church. And everybody's squirming, you know, mm, you know, what's he saying? Has he lost his mind? What's he saying? And then he came right around and he says, but you know what? God gave me more than I wanted when he gave me this school. And he gave me more than I wanted when he gave me that church. And he gave me more than I wanted when he gave me my wife. If God changes your dream, it's only because God wants more for you than you're dreaming right now. But whatever you do, don't stop dreaming. Please, look at me. Look at me. Young people... Don't stop dreaming. All you old folks with me, all of you that say, I get up in the morning, I'm just trying to dream, dream something for next year, what God wants to do with my life. I just want to get shaved in the morning. <laughs> Listen to me. God didn't leave you here to take up space. God left you here to use you for his glory. Start dreaming again.